The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kuwale Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I am Kuwale Agbayani alongside Michael Lescaro on the ones and twos today. What's up, Michael? What is good? What is good? Good to be back. (laughs) Paul Brecht is actually out at the University of Hawaii covering UH football practice, the start of spring ball this morning. So we're actually going to uh, give him a call a little later in the show and he can give us uh, some of the insights in this a little gloomy, windy weather today. But nonetheless, practice begins. Um, Before we get into the games that happened yesterday, though, since we're on the topic of University of Hawaii football, kind of bummed over the weekend, Savannah Ryer announced that she is leaving the football program. So sad-faced emoji, the director of recruiting. I'm not sure what her next journey is yet, though. I didn't um, get a chance to talk to her, but hopefully Paul can share some insight as to what her next steps are when we talk to him a little bit later. But yeah, we had her on the show uh, last summer, got a chance to get to know her a little bit, and I checked in with her at the end of the regular season, but yeah, kind of bummed, but it's okay. Our queen of UH football here will be leaving us, so hopefully we can talk to her sometime this week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as our friends at VSIN and Brent Musburger like to say, cashing tickets is what it's all about. Woo! My futures bet on the 49ers to win the NFC Championship has officially cashed. I can't wait to go to Vegas now because it's nice going to Vegas holding extra money that you can just in there and I got them up at plus odds at plus 175 I believe so not too shabby that's like my new thing now put in futures bets when I'm in Vegas just so that I can look have something to look forward to good thing this one didn't end early like just like the my Miami Dolphins futures bet and Tua Tango Vailoa MVP that one kind of disappeared like throughout the season so 49ers win um a lot to Man, (laughs) and I can't believe the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. I can believe it, but I can't believe it. But that is why you never go against the Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh, I'm batting 100 after this weekend. Yes. Good for you, Koo. And (laughs) and great gamble on the 49ers' part. Not a great gamble on Dan Campbell's part. (laughs) Definitely not. So before we actually get into the Niners-Lions game, we'll go in order. So the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl. Mahomes doing Mahomes things. That defense from the Kansas City Chiefs looks amazing. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens, they look pretty good as well. This game clearly way under, as a lot of our VSIN friends were talking about that it would be. Uh, 17 to 10 is the final. But you know what? I think it's the Ravens kind of showed their lack of not being here in a long time because a lot of undisciplined penalties what they were called on and I know if you're someone cheering against the Chiefs of course you're gonna say Patrick Mahomes got some calls got some didn't but the Ravens didn't do themselves any favors I mean you had like that flowers taunt when he made that catch and then that brutal that was I mean this was just a pure genius defensive football play I mean right after that fumbles on the goal line I'm just glad first thing I said when they they showed the replay was okay I'm glad that it wasn't like anything controversial because they called it that it was down and that it was Chiefs ball. And I'm like, oh, no, Twitter's going to go crazy. And they'll be like, there, the Kansas City Chiefs get a call again. But it was clear as day. And that was brutal 
for the Baltimore Ravens. But yeah, at the end of the day, that's like the easiest bet of the year, I feel like. I think some places had it as high as Kansas City Chiefs, four and a half. I know our friends at Circa had it at four and a half, and they mm. they made out pretty good because a lot of money went on the Baltimore Ravens to cover. And But again, you never go against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey playing out of his mind. 11 receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. And it's not so much the amount of receptions and yardage, but some of the catches that he made, like it's, it's incredible. It's like, he just, you know, took a little bit of time off in a sense during the season to, I guess, prepare for this moment. Because when we go back to like mid season or towards the end, people are saying, including myself, maybe it looks like he lost the step. And then lo and behold, Travis Kelsey shows us why he's the greatest tight end ever. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it, it is a long season, you know. And you think they last played in February. We're getting to February. It's it's a long season. I saw that with the Rams last season where it takes a toll on you. These are not, you know, 16-game seasons anymore. It's 17-game seasons. And that extra game, extra wear and tear on your bodies, you know, people want to do good in the regular season. The Chiefs are not there anymore. They want to do good in the postseason, I believe. Travis Kelsey passed Jerry Rice for some record, and that's pretty yeah. impressive too. Most postseason receptions. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think uh, uh, Vegas can thank uh, LeJarrius Sneed for coming up clutch there. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, though, a good, you know, kind of what comes around goes around, right, where Zay Flowers gets called for the taunting, and, you know, then he fumbles, and then he gets humbled, you know. And, you know, it, it's... Yeah, but I know a lot of people today will be like, oh, you can't bet against Mahomes, you can't bet against Andy Reid, who might retire at the end of the season. But the defense, you know, people want to... Oh, the defense. Yeah, yeah I think people want to criticize um, Lamar Jackson for making some of his moves. Of course, the play con didn't help any, but this defense, you know, you have George Karloftis, who was a first-round selection by the Chiefs last year. And then you also have Trent McDuffie, who was a first-round selection last year, which they actually used some of the picks, I believe, when they got from Miami to trade to trade up to get McDuffie. So these Chiefs, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers not to get ahead of ourselves, but he's got to be telling them, you know, we're not, you know, it's not just Mahomes, Kelsey, Andy Reid. It's this whole Kansas City Chiefs and this whole organization from top to bottom that's championship caliber. Yeah, because when you look at the breakdown of the Chiefs offensively, probably the least talented that we've seen of this Mahomes era, but the defense is probably the best defense that we've seen in this Mahomes era. So just when you think, all right, they don't really have any receivers, and then Kadarius Tony goes on a crazy rant like over the weekend, um, kind of showing the his wrong cards, and he should have just stayed quiet. And now everyone knows why he probably didn't play, because they just don't want him to play anymore. Uh, can't repeat any of that stuff said. So if you want, you can look it up yourself. But yeah, the Chiefs are just incredibly talented. And Baltimore, you're right. Like there, some of the play calling didn't help down the stretch. I, we're just like yelling at the TV. Like, why are you guys not utilizing Lamar Jackson more? And then he, he goes and he runs and we're like, see, there you go. I mean, this is your season on the line. I understand you want to preserve yourself during the season, of course. But when things aren't working for you and the Kansas City Chiefs defense are pretty much able to defend everything except when Lamar Jackson decides to run, why don't you kind of go for that? So that was kind of surprising 
to me from the Baltimore Ravens because it seemed like something that worked for them with your season on the line with just, I mean, and the it was still very much a game. The Chiefs only won by one touchdown. So you had all of these opportunities to win or at least to tie it up and just a little too late. Nonetheless, what an incredible, I, I, well, both games were incredibly incredibly fun to wit, watch. And then I tweeted, I was like, tweeted the whole, um, the post-game celebration with Travis and Taylor. I was like, dear haters, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I know Michael's faces look so thrilled about that too. Well, um, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more Taylor Swift on the music, you know, whenever we join from back from break. But <laughs> I also want to point out that we do have Usher coming up. So hopefully some Usher music will also get we into will. the playlist. Yeah. We will. We did that. Um, was it? It was last year, right? Where it was in SoFi? That was two years ago. Two years. I know two years ago we did the whole, like, because they had so many different artists. That was really fun. Usher will probably have to save for, like, next week, Thursday, Friday, because collectively probably, like, six very recognizable songs that everyone will know, I think. <laughs> is there more? I got to go through the list. But that is on my checklist of things to do during Super Bowl week. I also do want to try to see if we can invite some of our guests that we talked to when we are in Vegas Bill McConnell from the Super Bowl committee, some of our friends at UNLV, just to see what the get their take on how the vibe of the city is right now in Las Vegas. I mean, clearly they've been preparing for it the whole t- this whole time. The Luxor is like a Dorito chip right now. And that's, I guess, where some of the media stuff will be held. That and at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, the team, though, that both teams are staying like by the lake. So it's like, what, like 25 miles away from the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, They came down and said that the players that are participating in the Super Bowl aren't even allowed to gamble on anything. Like, they can't even go to the tables or anything. I don't know if that's... I I would hope that if after the game, they should be able to do whatever they want. But basically, they're telling them they can't even gamble on anything throughout the week. And they're keeping them far, far away from the strip. It's almost like college kids. Because I know like when UH goes to Las Vegas, they stay like way off the strip for either football or when basketball goes. But I guess the NFL players, they got to make sure they keep them in check too. Yeah, I think it's also more protection on the players part. Because you don't want like some opposing fan like, oh, that's, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, let's go and, you know, you know, give them rub them the wrong way or something, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and people are crazy like that. Um, in general, and, you know, there's a lot of craziness going on in Vegas. So, you know, I just want to say if they do, they do, just don't get caught. But you know, just kind of be smart in this. This is gonna be, you know, I think with the Ravens, you know, you, we saw a lot of the the immaturity, and you know, they just weren't used to being to this stage. While Mahomes and those guys were. You know, they've been here, you know, they, you know, they weren't going to take chances. They were just going to take what's what's given to them. And it's going to be interesting to see which team can can kind of get away from the spotlight and kind of focus on the football and things played between the 120 yards on the field. Mm-hmm. All right. Got to step aside. When we come back, we will chat about the Detroit Lions and San Francisco 49ers game and hear a very this is like the first time I've heard Dan Campbell so soft spoken hear what Dan Campbell had to say about uh, going for it and not converting, not once, but twice. Well, we'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den.
back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Kuule Agbayani and Michael Lascaro talking all about the games yesterday. By the way, I didn't want to completely torture the beautiful people, so I do not have any Taylor Swift rejoin music today anyways but it's because they hear it all the time anyways so (laughs) so like Michael kind of alluded to in the previous segment that will not happen so don't worry I I, I didn't want it because I know people are like whatever at the end of the day I still think she is amazing for the game hearing all the daddy watching (laughs) like their like with their daughters watching football and the daughters are so into it now like I mean, come on. That rem- that reminds yeah. me of me watching UH football with my dad. Like, and then you're just creating new fans. So, I, I, like, for people that are just completely hating on the whole thing, I mean, come on. Like, they're just angry people that want to be angry at happy people, I guess. I think the <laughs> music is okay. I was just making a joke there. I think it's just they don't want to see, you know, her on the football screen, right? Yeah. But music, you know, that's that's her thing. You know, she is an elite she is a mega superstar, global, worldwide. You know, I think the music, we can get a pass in the music. <laughs> but everyone hears the Taylor Swift music on a regular day here and there. That'll also be next week then. Because apparently she is, because she has a concert in Japan on, you know, the day, quote unquote, the day of the Super Bowl. But since Japan is ahead, apparently, like, if she leaves an hour, I think Adam Schefter, like, did this whole explanation she leaves like an hour after the concert ends, which she can because she has a private jet. She can make it in time for the Super Bowl in Las Vegas on Sunday because of the time difference in Japan. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's giving very um, old school Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen vibes, like whenever they started like dating for the first time. But anyways, that's your little pop culture news that I had to fit in here when we talk about the NFL. All right. Detroit Lions falling to the San Francisco 49ers 34-31. And my goodness, that first half, though, <laughs> the Lions up 24-7. to It was kind of like the first half. Nobody expected that the 49ers were going to come out that way and the Lions were going to come out that way and then leave it to the halftime adjustments and the 49ers and Dan Campbell for his part and the Lions not being able to adjust 49ers come out and score 27 points of their own in the second half Lions only putting up a score in the fourth quarter for that final of 34 31 Brock Purdy I mean can we stop is is the hate on Brock Purdy going to stop yet because yes he is nowhere near being a Patrick Mahomes but he's a good solid quarterback I mean they're winning he looked good yesterday the weather was nice and they came out with the win but before we uh, get into talking more about the game here is a very dejected Dan Campbell and what he had to say um, when asked about that question of going for it on fourth down. Dan, you um, you had two fourth down decisions that were critical in the, the second half, and neither one was two fourth down decisions that were critical in the second half. Neither yeah. one was converted. Yeah. Um, you know, particularly the second one. Why why not take a, a field goal there and maybe stem the bleeding a little bit? Yeah, that just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. 
Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. Um, but, you know, we just, just didn't work out. And that was Lions head coach Dan Campbell after being asked about going for it on fourth down, not once, but a couple of times uh, in, like, in that game that did not work out in their favor. I mean, it's just hard. You're be that that's what I think it came down to though, like the tough coaching. And Dan Campbell, he's I feel like they'll get back there, but you live and you learn and you learn to not make those mistakes again. I think analytics wise, obviously they have their analytics that say to go for it, but oh, that was tough, man. Kyle or Kyle <laughs> Michael has like the face of dejection too that's right now. It's it's like it's like you know we, the Super Bowl is in Vegas and I can admit that I've fallen prey to this. But in, in blackjack, there are times when you have to bet big because the the table is so to speak is is hot, you know. But then the table gets cold, you know. There's not good cards. You have to cash out. And for Dan Gamble, you know, not that <laughs> you know he you know the thing about being aggressive, it will work for you probably. A lot of the time. I think there's no coach that's ever gone for it and fourth down more than he mm-hmm. has. But you have to realize the situation and you have to adapt. And I think that's part of the maturity process as a head coach. And why a lot of good coordinators don't make it as a head coach. Um, where you have to adapt to your situation and your surroundings. And the surroundings was you are on the road now. You've had two playoff games at home. And your home crowd can help you get into it. But the 49ers and not the post game, I think they call themselves the faithful they got the spark and they they took with it and they ran with it, and the Lions did not put any points up on the board until I think there was a minute left in the fourth quarter, and that's just something that you cannot have happen. Yeah, especially when you come out like that. And Dan Campbell is a big reason why his team comes out the way that they do and are ready to rock and roll. So on that side, like he is a great players coach, but you're right, it's the maturity of being an actual head coach where you will learn. From this stuff, and it's I don't we're nowhere near seeing the last of Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. You know, I bet the, our Detroit Lions fans here, Kanoa Leahy, are a little sad. I did end up seeing Kanoa uh, after the game yesterday, so he did join our reindeer posse party afterwards. So our two posse members <laughs> that are forty nine a forty nine er fan and a Detroit Lion fan, they did not want to watch it in front of anybody because. They admittedly get a little crazy, but Kanoa was a good sport and he came over after and uh, he he was in as best spirits as you can be. I think because for Lions fans and he kind of said it where like you like last time you won the playoff game. Right. And it, it's almost like you're playing with house money at this point because no Lions fan, no NFL fan ever thought that the Lions would even be in the NFC championship game this year. So I think it. The, the, it stings a little less. We were having fun with it, though, in the first half, kind of ribbing our 49ers friend. <laughs> he was not enjoying our text messages that we were sending back and forth. And then, hey, you know what? 49ers got the last laugh. We did get a text. Uh, by the way, you can text us at 808-888-KGU1. That's 808-888-5481. It says, hi, Kool-Aid. 
a 49ers exclamation point. And it says, nobody in the media said that the 49ers game looks like Auburn beating Alabama. Auburn won and being down 7-24. to 24. <laughs> Auburn futures 40-1. to 1. <laughs> oh, Is that what it was back then? Niners futures seven to one. I don't know if this is if they mean that's what you got you have. Dang, that'd be pretty good if they have 49ers seven to one. You got got in pretty early. Uh it says good luck. I already have to cash in my NFC championship ticket, so I had the best luck. I'm so happy. I'm sorry. And I'm so happy that we Yeah, because I didn't write it down, but right? What did I pick? I did pick the right ones. I picked Chiefs to cover. And then I picked the Lions getting the points, so they covered. I think so. I think you got I wish that. I was in right? Vegas right now. I think you have the script, so that's good. Woohoo! I did get the script, so sorry, you guys. If, if you listened to me, I did get the script early, so you should have um, chimed in. And now, all right, early predictions, Michael. Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers. What is it going to be? So every team that I've thrown my support towards in this entire postseason has taken an L. <laughs> the first round, my Rams lost to one point to Detroit. The next round, I threw my support uh, towards the Bills and the Buccaneers. And and this past Sunday, I threw my support to the Ravens and the Lions. So I will <laughs> refrain from making any uh, predictions right now. Catch me next week, though. Maybe I'll, I'll have one now. But right now, uh, I think the the 49ers are giving up minus two if i'm not mistaken right now bad mgm odds i'm looking at it actually just one Ooh. 49ers minus one that's insane and it i feel like it's pretty evenly matched and on the money line it's just 49ers minus 115 chiefs minus 105 what's the over <laughs> under I'll, I'll make a i'll make a 47 and a half 47 and a half Ooh. Obviously, this could change in two weeks, so that's why it's fun to look at it on the day when we know who will be in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. I would take the under on 47 and a half. Ooh. Okay. Okay. This is so difficult. Oh, man, the Chiefs are like, that Chiefs defense. I, I'm So that's my part is that the 49ers, like their defense does not look great. The Chiefs de- defense looks amazing. And... I mean, I feel like the Chiefs can, I don't want to say easily, but I think they can work around that 49ers defense where I don't know if Brock Purdy and that offense can do otherwise. Although the Chiefs did struggle to stop Lamar. So, I mean, maybe just hand it off to Christian McCaffrey and let him go to work. (laughs) Yeah, well, McCaffrey should be the NFL MVP, but we live in a day and age where the quarterback is the most important position Mm -hmm. in the NFL. So everyone wants to put wants to compare it to a, a Purdy versus Mahomes matchup. But it's a team game. And mm-hmm. I think Brock Purdy has better weapons than Mahomes, to tell you the truth. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But it's still Patrick Mahomes. They still have Patrick Mahomes. That's the part that I can't... Like, I've been saying it leading up to the games yesterday. Like, the Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And they executed a brilliant... Like, even when they went for it on fourth down... It was a pass. Like most times you're either going to, if you're Philly, you're going to like do the little tush push. But if you're other teams, it's usually going to be a run to try to, to go. But like brilliantly, brilliant play call. And then it's like Travis Kelsey did like a little acrobatic 
catch and everything. But you're yeah, a hundred percent. If you look at the Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes, which is kind of funny because the Chiefs are the underdog, but Patrick Mahomes is actually has the shortest odds to be the Super Bowl MVP at plus one twenty, followed by Brock Purdy at plus two twenty, and then our guy Christian McCaffrey plus four fifty, and Travis Kelsey all the way down at twelve to one, and Isaiah Pacheco at thirty five to one, surprisingly. So Christian McCaffrey getting a little bit of love. But yeah, it's still the top two quarterbacks. And again, that's kind of interesting where the Chiefs are the dog, but Patrick Mahomes has the, sh- the shortest odds. Usually it's the other way around. You're going to give the MVP to the team that is projected to win. But 49ers, give me, I mean, this is just going to be a pick probably by the time we'll see how much the money moves. So 47 and a half, which I think, what did you say, under? The under on 47 and a half. I'm probably... My mind does agree with you on the under, but my football fandom always wants to go for the over in these big games. Yeah. Well, because if I'm wrong, then <laughs> it's I'll, a fun game. It's a fun game. Yeah. So, you know, win-win. Let's see some of these other. So, touchdown score. First touchdown score, Christian McCaffrey at plus 350. I had followed by Isaiah Pacheco at plus 550 and Travis Kelsey at 6-1. to one. So, again... Giving Christian McCaffrey that love, but still not the favorite to win the MVP. A little betting tip, too, is um, the team that wears the white away jerseys have a better winning percentage in the Super Bowl. Just a little tip. Ooh. I don't. They haven't decided yet, but be something to watch for. And our friends at Circa, I saw, I'll probably have him as a guest on, too, Jeffrey Benson. He's like their odds maker at Circa. He he put out a funny tweet that there will be no Taylor Swift prop bets, so you need to go to your offshore um, people in order to, to get some of those prop bets in on like how much she'll be shown, all of that stuff, because that's fun. I'm gonna have that's gonna be fun talking about next week when we get into the prop bets, national anthem stuff. We'll give you the breakdown that we did last year in terms of the type of singer it is and how long it usually goes, and then it's Ursher baby. Oh, it's going to be a fun time. we got to wait a couple of weeks, though. Damn. <laughs> All right, got to step aside. When we come back, we will actually welcome in Mr. Paul Brecht, who is out at the University of Hawaii watching football practice. So we'll get his thoughts next on Wake Up in the Den. When I met you in the summer, to my heartbeat sound. Wake Up in the Den with Kule Ogbayani on the Hawaii Sports love. Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. And we could be together, Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I'm Kule Ugbayani alongside Michael Lescaro this morning. Hope everyone had a fabulous weekend of football. And the football time continues. We are going to welcome in Paul Brecht. He is not here this morning because he is out at the University of Hawaii jo- partaking in the first day of spring ball for UH football. Paul, what's up? How's it going? Oh, cool. Can you guys hear me? That's the first question. Everything's good? Yes, we can hear you, sir. Can you hear us? I can hear you guys. Everything is great. A lot of smiling faces out here at UH Manoa, first day of spring practice. Really excited to see all these guys in action. And looks like all of them have been really excited to get back on out here and get to work after last season. All right. So what are you seeing so far from some of our guys and what stands out to you? How does the size look in person? I know we're still obviously waiting for a lot of 
um, signees that won't come until the fall. But we have some people starting early, like Micah Alejado, and we have uh, the receiver from Kentucky as well. So what are some of the things that you're seeing from the new faces that are people are very interested to see? It's funny you mentioned the two smallest guys we got as transfers <laughs> when you, you bring up the science because they definitely do look bigger this year, whether it's at the wide receiver position, the running back position, even the linemen. The linemen look big this year, Koo, and that's exciting. If you've listened to our show before, you know that that's something we've been asking for. Deion Washington out here today as well. Micah Alejado does look a little bit small next to the six foot five and six foot three frames of Jake Farrell and Braden Shager. But so far, he's making all the throws, which is kind of what it's been with Micah all the way through his career. Uh, everyone kind of has doubted his size, but the talent has been there all the way through. Actually, when we first started this segment, he completed a beautiful ball, probably 25 yards down the field, uh, just in stride to a receiver. And like I said, this is the first practice. So these guys are really just starting to get some sort of chemistry going. So it's been a good first day so far. The vibes are good. And well, I know a lot of people are worried about it, but guess what? They are still pushing the sled. <laughs> yeah, it is the first day like you, we've been talking about all last week. Paul Brack joining us uh, from UH football spring practice. He's over there at UH. And practice, by the way, for everyone that wants to go, it is open to the public until we hear otherwise. Timmy Chang has been very good at inviting everyone to come and support the team. We'll get you more details also on the potential spring game when we get that as well. But uh, I was going to ask you about that. Like, what are some of the drills and like breakouts that they're working on this morning? Uh, so it's a lot of the same stuff that we've seen in the past where you'll break the, that you'll break both into offense, defense, and then break down even further into position groups from there, obviously, wide receivers working with the quarterbacks quite often and just kind of getting the basics of your sets down, the the real foundation of your offense for some of these new faces, continuing to get everybody acclimated to the run and shoot. And obviously, we've seen Dan Morrison out here today. Coach Dennis Thurman's out here. The Sun cut Jeff Reinbold is here. <laughs> so all the new additions to the coaching staff out here today. Right now, uh, specifically, you have offense working against defense which is fun to see uh, kind of shifting through your four quarterbacks um, and then if, as the defense comes up with an interception of Jake Farrell right there <laughs> uh, you might be able to hear the shouting in the background Logan Taylor not fully back but he is uh, fully back with his voice he's following around Jacob Yoro, following around Coach Thurman all them bringing all the energy today but yeah right now some offensive versus defensive drills with the wide receivers and quarterbacks trying to get their uh, chemistry going against these defensive backs who are uh and then down at either end of the field you have the defensive linemen working together at one field goal post and then down on the other end you have the offensive linemen working together so everybody's getting some work in here today despite not having the grass field i know that's something that a lot of people were really worried about going into this spring training practice uh session but that doesn't look to be any type of issue thus far for those mm -hmm. and you bring up logan taylor and i just want to kind of chime in here with the tweet that steven sai had earlier or last night actually uh saying that peter manuma edward uh verdell edwards alex perry winden Ho'ohuli, and 
Logan Taylor will be held out of contact drills during the UH football spring practice. So, you know, as kind of to be expected. And speaking of some of the returnees offensively, yeah, how does, you know, the returnees like your Braden and uh, Shager, Sangapo Lutele, and then the wide receivers in Pafele Ashlock and Stephen McBride. I mean, how do all of those guys look that have become like really solidified or as they begin to solidify and better their offense during this springtime? Well, Braden is sporting a brand new haircut, so uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. If that means he's feeling better, that means we're, we're in for some more Shager bombs. But he's looked good so far today. He's taken a lot of uh, the, the top level reps, we'll say. I don't want to call him first team, especially considering it's day one. But he, he's working with a lot of the guys like you just mentioned, Stephen Brides and Profele Ashlocks and the ones that we've seen start to kind of make their their impact known for the bows already. Uh, they've looked good today. They're exactly what you'd expect. They're the ones who are going to lead you through this spring practice portion. And uh, when they do that, they need to lead by example. So far, they have today nothing too crazy, no crazy turnovers. Uh, and yeah, Braden, Braden is here in Manoa. I know that was, was you know a big thing, <laughs> but he is here. He is taking snaps, and he's looked good today. He looks a little bit leaner this season as well. I'm curious if there was some work put in the season. We'll talk a lot about how he wasn't necessarily a dual threat quarterback and how he was kind of more a traditional pocket passer. Somebody who's going to sit back there, try and pick apart your defense. But he looks like he may have put in a little bit of work on the lower half as well, increase that athleticism and pick up that running game as well, which we did see him have uh, some juice in those legs towards the second half of the last season. Have we seen any movement in terms of like scrambling abilities yet from uh, Micah Alejado? Because we, you know, we always mention, yes, his size. You did mention he had a really good pass and uh, his passing looks well. But how have you seen so far in his ability to potentially scramble? Uh, I, I mean, I haven't really seen him go against the defensive line yet or any type of pressure. Um, but it definitely looks as though he is a mobile quarterback. I'm curious how much he's going to be able to get behind him at this level with you know be, having to be mobile, throwing on the run and whatnot. And that's kind of the questions that start to get answered during spring practices is where you see, okay, does he need to work on this? Is that something that's positive coming on in? So on and so forth. So far, haven't gotten a chance to really look into him going against the defense with pressure, just trying to go against the defensive backs with his wide receivers. Paul Breck joining us from University of Hawaii football spring practice as it begins today. All right, just last question for you. Just uh, maybe thoughts about the running backs that maybe you've seen so far. Is Tylen Hines back in it, practicing and looking okay? And some of the new guys, like we talked about Christian Vaughn, one of the transfers or one of the Juco transfers out of Butte College. And then you have Cam Barfield, one of the newer commits. And also, I said running backs only, but now that I see his name, I'm like, oh, yeah. And then the USC corner and Fabian Ross. So you want an update on all the new guys and some of the returners. Um, let's see. Tylen, I'm honestly looking for Tylen. It's been tough because they've been rotating uh, mm -hmm. so much on through. I, as I mentioned before, there's definitely some more size in the running back room now with Christian, Duke, or Christian Vaughn, pardon me, 
And uh, along with those type of players, it's going to be important. It is a little bit different not having a solo Vakulu back there. It's a different size <laughs> of running back. Uh, David Cordero getting some yeah. action actually with some of the uh, the first and second string units. So that's something to keep an eye on here as well. Um, overall, I have not seen Fabian Ross actually. Um, I'm sure he is out there. I just have not paid as much attention to the defensive backs, and that is on me. I will certainly get us an update <laughs> on him. Uh, but overall, running back room, it's – I like the balance in a running back room this year. It looks good in terms of size where you have the, the shifty little smaller guys. You also have the sturdier backs, the tree trunk thighs who uh, run through contact. And I just love the defense's energy, even on day one here and there. Just a pass breakup and you hear a screen in the background. Yeah, I love it so much. All right. Well, better let you go continue to watch spring practice, but thanks for stopping by and we will see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and let's go Bose. Let's go Bose. All right. Paul Breck joining us from spring ball. Yeah, you can turn it off. <laughs> from spring practice, the first day today. Ooh, it's underway. And when I look at the roster for the spring um by the way you can go to our friends at warrioralaccess.com they have the full layout of the spring roster and the coaches and the running back room as we kind of mentioned man there are nine running backs listed on this spring roster four quarterbacks as we talked about in jake farrell michael alejado Braden shager and john keave sangapolutele so it's going to be a pretty fun spring. Again, practice is open. When we get the schedule, we'll put it up on our website so that you guys can hopefully plan accordingly and be able to go see some of the new guys and as well as a lot of the returnees coming out. So I'm excited. Is it football season yet? Pretty soon, pretty soon. <laughs> I think the biggest takeaway I took away from um, Paul's uh, live reporting there was Braden Shager uh, looking a bit leaner and a little bit more more uh, beefier in the lower half of his body. And I think if defenses are forced to respect Braden's ability as a runner, then that just opens up more opportunities for these shaker bombs on the field. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask him about the running backs because we didn't have much of a running game last season and the size of obviously our guys in the trenches, because that also helps like offensive line is a big part of getting the running game going. So I'm excited to see it. Obviously, yes, first day, so there's not too much to dissect, but it's always good to see where the guys looked in the beginning, and then when we get towards the ending of spring ball, then we'll see if there are any improvements that happens throughout the season, or I guess this part of the season. So we're excited, but yes, we will get you more info when we receive it from the University of Hawaii. All right, we got to take our last break, and we'll be back to wrap things up on Wake Up in the Den. Wake up in the den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kuule Agbayani alongside Michael Lascaro. Paul Brecht joined us in the previous segment live from UH Football Spring Practice, which started today. 
very, very early, though. It's so weird to have spring ball this early. But nonetheless, at least we get a little bit of a University of Hawaii football once the NFL football season has come to an end in a couple of weeks. Uh, other things going on, though, locally. Shout out, Mililani. Where our Michael Escaro was on Saturday. Mililani claiming the OIA title, beating Campbell 2-0 uh, for Division One. Yes. And, of course, the Castle Knights, though, beating my other school that is near and dear to my heart, as well as Michael Escaro's heart, uh, falling to Castle in the Division Two title 4-0 for the Knights' first soccer title since 1991. So share a little bit of your thoughts on those games, Michael. Yeah, I wasn't born yet in 1991, so that's a <laughs> long time from now. Sorry for those that were that's listening to it. Uh, you know, Castle, I think they, they're very young. They're very, a very young uh, team. I think they also beat Kailua, the top seed in the um, East, um, earlier in the year. And, you know, they were, you know, they had a really rough year last year where that kind of went them to go down to Division Two. But I think they are they have a lot of freshmen on that team that, that, that got in the scoring column. And for, for Mililani, you know, it was almost kind of a given. You know, it's that... Was it that taxes and Milanani winning the OIA? You know they <laughs> pretty it's their, much. It's their nineteenth OIA championship, you know, league leading. You no, know, they they actually have to cut club players that because they're just there's so much pl- talent and players in Milanani that want to play um soccer, and you know they they won. You know it was kind of a close game in the first half, zero zero. But you know Coach McGee trusted his defense and they came through with some goals. Caleb Ishikawa, I believe. Scored one and assisted another, you know, and he's not really one of their. Um, you wouldn't want to say that he's one of their top offensive weapons, but you know that just shows to show you the the embarrassment of riches that Milani Trojans boy soccer has. And actually, the boys almost like avenging the girls who had lost to Campbell for the OIA title. So a little bit of reverse there, and shout out to Campbell, man. Like I, I've said this before, but it's amazing how. And similar to Ipahu, like when I was going to high school, like they were rarely ever competitive in sports and and whatnot. And now they're really up on the top for a lot of these major sports, including girls basketball as well, which we have the girls basketball OIA playoffs going on right now. On Friday, we were out calling the Minilani and Moana Lua game, which you can listen to on demand at hawaiisportsradio.com or scoringlive.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Moana Lua coming up on top 49 24 shout out to our yeah you player of the game in acacia mateo coming off the bench and just having a fabulous game they move on to the semifinals, which is tonight and will face defending well i guess back-to-back defending champs campbell a rematch of last year's uh, oia championship or d1 championship game so that game will be the second game tonight at 7.30 p.m. You can watch it on OC16. And then the other semifinal will be Kahuku and Radford. And Kahuku has looked phenomenal so far. And I think Kyle mentioned it on our broadcast on Friday. It's pretty much like a crash course of Campbell and Kahuku. They they just look really good. Not taking anything away from Moanalua, but I'd be... But that's why they play the games. Hey, that's why they play the games. Going over to the Division Two side, uh, they have... Only have a couple of rounds, so the semifinals happened last week, Friday. Farrington coming up on top over Kala Hale, and they will play McKinley, who beat Coppola last Friday in the semifinals. So the championship games will be this Wednesday. Uh, the Division Two championship between Farrington and McKinley will start at 5.30 at Pro City 
and then it will be followed by the champ or Division One championship, which will be those teams will be decided today. And you can hear that game on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, or if you do have Spectrum, then you can watch it on OC16. So a couple of options for all of our girls basketball fans. And this week, too, Michael, you got a really busy week, huh? <laughs> because it is also the girls uh, HHSA soccer tournament. Woo! Look, I like the look on your face. Yes. Uh, tonight, I'll be at the semifinals. Uh, tomorrow, I will enjoy a night off. But after that, it's bang, 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 bang. <laughs> All the way through. And we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. But uh, so the first round of the HHSA Girls Soccer State Championships gets underway today. You have Punahou, Hilo, Campbell, and Kamehameha Schools Maui that have the first round by and straight into the quarterfinals. And in the first round, we'll get Baldwin and Moana Lua, and followed by Midilani versus Kaiser. And then you have Waikea and Kapolei and Kamehameha, Kapalama, and Waipahu. Uh, and then Thursday will be the quarterfinal round. Friday is the semis. And then Saturday is the championship out at the YPO Peninsula Soccer Complex in Division Two. Getting the first round buys into the quarterfinals are number one overall seed, Kauai. And pack five, number two, Kamehameha Schools, Hawaii, number three, Kalani. And their first round for Division Two doesn't start until Wednesday, where you will have Lelehua and Wailua, Seabury and HPA, Radford and Waimea, and Kapa'a and Farrington. I haven't really been, been able to keep up with girls' soccer so far this year, um, but I've seen a lot of basically indications that Punahou is clearly the team to be in Division One. You went out to a couple of games, though. Uh, is there anything, other teams that we should, I don't know, kind of watch out for? Yeah, Punahou definitely is the top. You know, I think um, one of their leading scorers, Zilias Talanoa, she was actually, Coach Shelly Izuno told me that she was actually sick for about two months. And only, like, recently she went, you know, she's been congested, having a cough. And only recently she went to the doctor and got some meds. And, you know, she's kind of, Getting back to her her way, I think Mililani they're gonna come out with a force um, after losing in PKs to to Campbell and Campbell. You know they have all the confidence in the world now with that win. So those are definitely the the three teams that I'm looking at, at as being um, in contention for the state title in Division One. Ooh, and then Campbell should they get past the winner of Waikia and Kapolei and move on to the semifinals, they would potentially have to see Kamehameha. Kapalama in the semifinal game who has been competing with Punahou obviously in the ILH. Michael, are we giving your school a shot against Kamehameha today? Why Pahu? Uh, it's it's tough to say. I mean, the good thing is that I do think it's a later start time. I think it was starting at 6. six yeah. yeah, so usually when these OI teams have to play during the day, it's kind of takes an adjustment period. And but you know for Kapalama it's been a kind of a tough year. They they lost one of their top forwards from last year in, in Nikki Mao to an ACL injury, and they've just been kind of been scrapping by trying to get trying to get goals. And it's it, it's too early to to tell. But you know it it could definitely be a one zero two zero game where where Paul can hang in it. All right, looking forward to a lot of uh, high school action this week, and of course UH football. But for now we got to go for Michael Lescaro. I'm Kule Agbayani. Mahalo for listening. Bye.